We are holding in Perik Tess, chapter 9 of Tanya. And as I said in the le- uh, weeks uh, leading up and last week, that really, in a sense, the last, I would say, seven chapters or so were a lead-up <clears throat> to where we're at right now. Um, in the very general picture, we discussed, we spent, I think it was four prokim discussing the Nefesh Alekis, the godly soul. Perik Beis, Gimel, Dalit, and Hey, all discussed the Nefesh Alekis, the godly soul, we went through it step by step. We talked about the soul powers. We talked about the Levushim, the expressions of the soul. And we talked about the mitzvahs and the Torah that the soul encloses itself in through its machshava, dibra, and maisa, through the thought, speech, and deed, the expressions of the soul. And how the Torah and mitzvahs connect the neshama to Hashem. And that was the first, you know, four parakim. When I say first, I mean period Beis, Gimel, Dalad, and Hay. Then, the subsequent three parakim that we discussed in the last three shiurim, is Vav, Zion, and Ches, discuss the animal soul, the Nefesh of Bahamis, and how the animal soul also is made up of Seichel, and of Midois, of intellect, and of emotion, and of garments. We talked about Klippa, we talked about the different types of Klippa, the Klippa that can be brought up to Kedusha, the, the, the Klippa that's tied down and not brought up, and how it's brought back, and Shuva, and all that we talked about in the last three parakim. So at this point, we have a basic understanding of the two souls, the Kedusha and the Klippa, the godly soul and the animal soul, the Seichel and the Midas, the intellect, the emotion, and the garments or expressions of each. Periktes is where it starts coming together. Yes? Before you start, I have sure. a question. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I know you want to... Um, I, I, I missed that on the last two classes and I listened to them. And... Um, there was, there was something that, um, you know, like I was thinking about afterwards, and it's like the Tanya is the basis for, like, Hasidim and Ol Yidin and, you know, it's like Hasidus. And so, you know, so much of what you said the last couple of chapters, like, is, is so negative, you know, and it's so, it's so hard to hear really, you know, like, I felt that, you know, and yes, you want to learn about the godly soul, but that you have to learn about the animal soul, and the comparisons, and, and so, um, it, it sort of, um, made me think about, like, well, if we even brought somebody in, and we started teaching them Tanya, and there's, like, a yid, and he's learning all of this stuff, and then he comes upon all that aspect, and he's feeling bad about, like, whatever he did, you know, like, you know, how do you, how, how do you, like, go past that, you know, it's like, you're not going to be forgiven until Mashiach comes, and this, you're tied down, and, like, you're not going to go over all the examples, because you gave them, I don't have to, but it's like, you know, after I finished listening to that, I was like, it's a, it made me feel depressed, you know, and I'm like, wait a second, you know, and the little comment inside me, it's all good, and it's like, what about those people that don't even know, and they're just getting pieces of that? So, like, how do you explain that? And I know you're moving forward, but I need to get clarity on that. Okay, so, ex- an excellent point, an excellent question. Um, very quickly, okay, because again, we do it, we want we want to move on to the next uh, parish, but very quickly, I think there's two concepts. One concept is about personal forgiveness. For a person, any person who did any avera and does tshuva is forgiven. 
You don't have to wait for Mashiach to come, and you don't have to wait for Ahava B'Tanugim or tremendous levels. A basic tshuva forgives a person for any sins that they have done. And the basics of tshuva is the person's resolve to change. A person regrets what's done and resolves to change. That is tshuva, and tshuva works, and tshuva is tremendously powerful, Kayach. When we were talking about waiting for the coming of Mashiach or very tremendous levels of Ava, that's in order to bring back all the negative energy in this world into Kedusha. Only when Mashiach will come will this entire world be only filled with Kedusha and all negative energy that existed in any point in any way will finally be brought back into the realm of Kedusha. But that should not be confused with basic forgiveness and the ability for a person to move on and connect to Hashem and reconnect to Hashem fully. Right? Tshuva is something that works powerfully and immediately um, and helps a person reconnect to Hashem no matter what was done when there's an earnest resolve to change and to reconnect. And that should, that's, that's unchangeable and anything we learn doesn't affect that. We weren't discussing how tshuva works or when tshuva works. We were discussing the fact that Hashem created a world where there's a tremendous amount of energy in this world. That's called klipa. And the ability to bring all that energy back into Kedusha. So some things we're easily able to bring back into Kedusha. Some things are not tied down. Some things are tied down. There's averus. There's mitzvahs. There's things that are mutter, that are permissible a person can bring up. And that's where our discussion surrounded. So as far as uh, people did something wrong and knew or didn't know, for that, tshuva helps a person, you know, regain their connection to Hashem immediately. Tshuva doesn't have to be a long process. The basic reconnect of tshuva can be immediately. The Zayar says, in one moment, in one turn, when a person turns towards Hashem, Hashem is always ready to take them in, like a loving Father in Heaven. As far as regaining and recapturing and redirecting all the energies of this world, that's a much larger larger perspective that ultimately becomes complete when Mashiach will come. I'm not sure, was that helpful with your question? It was, I guess. And it's probably a discussion I could have with you later. It's just about, like, if people come and learn Tanya and they come to that chapter, like, what are they thinking and what are they feeling and, you know, how do they, um, okay. you know, put it all together. But that's like, I, 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 could, I could ask you that. That's fine. Very well. Okay. That brings us to Perik Test, to chapter 9. Chapter 9, in a sense, is the showdown. He brings it together, the animal soul and nefesh, the battle. The battle, the struggle which most of us know is the struggle that a person feels in one form or another throughout life. Right? Aside from the, the perfect tzaddik that we'll get to in a later chapter, most people struggle because there are these two entities that reside within ourselves. And that's really what Perak Tess, chapter 9, that we're going to talk about tonight, really introduces us to. And he starts off by saying, he starts off by really saying something very interesting. He makes it, uh, he gives us like a picture that where is the headquarters of the animal soul, the nefesh of Bahamas, and where is the headquarters of the nefesh of Likis in a person? Um, and he says, he says, and I'm, I'm reading from Atanya, Mokim Mishkan Nefesh Bahamas. The place, the place, uh, the, the, the primary place where the nefesh of Bahamas rests is in the heart. In the heart of a person, Bechalal Hasmali, he calls it the left ventricle, the left side of the heart, where the blood is being pumped, which is filled with dumb. Filled with dam, which is blood. Um, and of course, it's important to remember whenever we talk about the actual place of a soul, souls are spiritual and don't have a physical place where they reside. But conceptually, conceptually, he connects the animal soul with the heart, with the emotions, and with the blood within a person. 
Um, blood is something that's, that represents passion, warmth, heat, um, a certain boilingness to it, and it was, which is, I guess, passion. More than anything else, is passion and desire. And he says that is the root, the place where the animal soul is headquartered or where it, where it begins its effects within a person. Now, to be sure, a person's passions, a person's desires affect the person in entirety and also affect the mind. When a person passionately desires something, so their mind works to see how can I receive it, how can I get it. In other words, what starts off in emotion ultimately can bring a person to thinking and, and action. But most of our desire and the, the nefesh abamas, the animal soul, is rooted in desire. Starts off in the heart, in the emotions, which he said is melea dam, the dam, the blood of a person, is the seat of that passion and emotion within a person. Um, we know that uh, in Torah, blood is something that's talked about a lot. Typically something, for example, blood is forbidden to eat. Any form of blood is, is, is totally, uh, is, is trafe, is unkosher. Um, and the, when, when it comes to sacrificing the animals, the besamiktas for karbonis, the blood was always brought to the mizbeach, was always uh, the first thing that was brought to the, to the altar, and was sprayed on the altar, or poured on the altar. Um, when we shaft an animal, uh, if you've ever been by Kaporis, we know there's a special mitzvah to cover the blood. Now, blood is something that the Torah deals with tremendous um, caution, if you will. We're not allowed to partake in it. We're not allowed to eat it. Eat it. When it comes to the Besamiktas, we bring it to the Mizbeach. When we shecht it, we cover it. Blood represents that passionate side of us, which is the essence or the seat of the animalistic part of who we are, the Nefesh of Bahamas. Um, that's, the, that's the animal soul. On the other hand, the godly soul is rooted or is based or is headquartered in the mind, in the Moach. As he says, um, he says, Makom Mishkan Nefesh Alukis, the place of the resting, if you will, of the godly soul, who bemoichin Shebereish, is first and foremost in the mind, that's in the head and the intellect, and from there it spreads to the rest of the body. So, and it's something that we discussed a little bit in the past as well. To be sure, the animal soul has emotion and has intellect as well. The godly soul has intellect and has emotion as well. The question is, where does it start? What's its base? What's, what's its baseline? Where's, where's its beginning? The animal soul represents our emotions, our desires, our passions. And from there, they spread to our mind and we think about them and we, we, uh, we figure out how to receive and how to act on those passions and desires. And then it spreads to our actions and to what we do and so on and so forth. The godly soul is the opposite. The godly soul starts within a person with their mind, with their learning, with their understanding. They're trying to connect to something higher than them. And then it spreads to the various parts of the person as well. And the first place it spreads is to the heart. But interestingly, the Tanya talks about the two parts of the heart, the, the two sides of the heart. He calls them the left and the right, the left ventricle of the heart, the, light, the, the right. Um, and it's interestingly, interestingly, based on a Pasuk in Kehelas, we'll see tonight in Tanya a number of Pasukim of Kehelas, written by Shlema HaMelech. Shlema writes in Kehelas, Lev Chacham Liyiminoi, the heart of the wise person is to the right, and the heart of the foolish person is to the left. And the way Hasidus explains it is that the left and the right parts of the heart represent two different types of emotion. The left part of the heart represents the desire, 
just desire, animalistic feeling, want, um, passion, negative, self-centered, desire and passion. That's the left side of the heart. The right side of the heart is also emotions. But those are emotions that are governed by intellect, by logic, by learning and understanding and creating positive feelings and positive emotions. You know, there is a... There is a mitzvah to have Avas Hashem. We say it in the Shema, we say, V'yahavta es Hashem It's a mitzvah Avas Hashem. Famously, Chassidus asks, how can Hashem command us to love? You can command a person to do something. Can you command them to love? Right? Tell, tell a child, I want you to eat the food that you have. You have to eat. But you tell a person, I want you to like the food you have. I don't like it. And yet Hashem says, and we say it in the Shema a few times a day, V'yahavta es Hashem alekecha, mitzvah of Avas Hashem. So how could there be a mitzvah of Avas Hashem? And Chassidus famously answers, the mitzvah is not on the love. The mitzvah is on thinking and contemplating and using our mind and learning enough that we create Ahava. Because naturally, if we learn something and understand that it's good for us, the more we understand something is good for us, the more we'll start appreciating it. And the more we'll start enjoying it, the more we'll start wanting and liking it. And that's really the connection we say in Davening, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Shema really means to learn, to understand, and therefore, V'yahavtas Hashem Elokecha. When you learn and you'll understand, and you'll think about Hashem, and you'll think about Hashem Echad, which is really what Davening is all about. Davening is all about thinking about Hashem and understanding, and therefore awakening feeling. So Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. When a person thinks and understands, they will create that Ava Hashem as well. So that Ava is an emotion, but it's an emotion that is intellectually based. It starts from learning and understanding, and therefore I have feelings. It's not the self-centered type of, I want because I like because it makes me feel good. And that's the difference between the right side of the heart, the left side of the heart. Or in the words of Kehelas, the Lev Chacham Liyeminoi and Lev Ksil Lesmoilei, both are the heart, both are emotions. But one emotion is self-centered and self-based, the desire to feel good, the desire, just the want and, 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 um, and passionate desire for self-gratification. And the other love is a love that comes from understanding what's right and what's good and what's appropriate and therefore being drawn towards that. And he talks about something else. He says, just like there is that love, there's also the simcha. The simcha that one can have from feeling a closeness to Hashem. He uses very beautiful words. He says, when a person is able to use their mind's eye, another Pasuk Nukiela says, hachacham enav b'roishay, that the wise person has eyes in their mind. What, is, what does it mean to have eyes in one's mind? That means to use the, the mind's eye, not just to understand things, but to actually able to picture them and visualize them. When we're able to actually visualize our connection to Hashem and see it, and, and again, the words of the Tanya, based on the words of the Zayar, is when a person in their mind's eye gazes at the glory of Hashem, at the beauty of Hashem, is able to see Hashem through Hashem's creation, all of this arouses a feeling of simcha salev, rejoicing, joy of the heart which is a different type of emotion. There's the emotion of av, of, of wanting and longing, and there's the emotion of enjoying and appreciating our relationship with Hashem. All of this is the godly self. 
So the, the animal soul is this based on desire and want and need and therefore employs intellect. How am I going to go about getting those desires and fulfilling those wills? The godly soul is the opposite. It starts with understanding and learning and relating and connecting to Hashem in that way and awakening feelings of love and of simcha in one's relationship with Hashem. Says the Tanya, it's wonderful that these two things are going on in our soul, in our bodies, that is. There's two souls going on in our body. The problem is that they are in a constant struggle because each one of these souls wants to be the one that uses the body for itself. That every part of the body, the mind and the heart and the arms and the legs, that every part be filled with that soul alone. And this becomes the struggle that a Yid goes through constantly. Where is the first time that this struggle is alluded to in the Torah? So it brings very beautifully in the story of, I know you're trying to say something, but you're muted. Is it Esau and Yaakov? Excellent, exactly, right? Rivka, Rivka is is um, is pregnant. She has Esau and Yaakov in her womb, and she feels a struggle. They're not even born yet, and they're fighting already, right? Rivka feels, and Rivka is a tzaddikis, Rivka is a prophetess, and she feels this tremendous struggle going on right inside of her, and she's confused. And it says, She goes to ask the word of Hashem. She goes to the yeshiva of Shem and Aver. And there she's told prophetically, and it's in the Chumash, in the beginning of Parsha Teldes, she's told you have two sides within you that are going to separate to two different entities, two different nations. And then she's told three powerful words. words. What does it mean? When one will be upraised, the other will fall. When the other will go upward, the other will fall. There's a constant up and down. They don't coexist happily. Because these two souls, the way they're created and the way that they're centered, they cannot coexist happily. Each one wants, wants the body for itself. Each one wants to be in control. Each one wants that all parts and all aspects of this, of me, of this human being, should be controlled by the godly soul wants godliness and godly feelings and godly desires and godly um, actions. And the animal soul is looking for animalistic desires and feelings and actions and sacral and understanding. There's a beautiful pasuk in Kehelas. And I'm going to read a pasuk. Um, it's, uh, if you want, uh, you have a Kehelas in front of you, but you can look it up afterward. I'm going to read the words. It's in chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. Again, this is Kehelas from Shleim HaMelech. He writes, Ir Ktana. There's a small city, and few people in the city. There's a number of people in the city. And a great king came, a king came and laid siege to the city. So there's the Shlomo Malach in, in, his, um, in his beautiful poetry or, or metaphors is describing this small city and some people, and there's this king that laid siege to the city. And in the city there's found a person that everyone thought was just a, you know, a small person, but he was wise. He was able to save the entire city using his chachma. Nobody really recognized 
Nobody recognized this poor person. Nobody thought he was powerful, poor and great until he's the one who saved the entire city. So that's the story in Kehelas and like, like so much of Shloim Melas writings, they're so uh, poetic and so, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, allegoric. That it's hard to know what is he referring to. The small city and the, pe- and the people and the king that laid siege to the city and the wise person who was able to save everyone in the city, though no one really recognized the power of the wise one. So there's a number of Midrashim that explain the metaphor to this, to this allegory. Um, but there's a Gemara. Gemara in Tractate Nidarim that the Rebbe mentions here. And the Gemara says the following. I'll read the quote from the Gemara, Tractate Nidarim, on uh, page 32, 32b. V'amar Rami Barava. Maidachsif. Rami Barava, one of the sages of the Gemara, says, what is this that Shlomo writes, Ir Ketana Vanoshim, the small city, the people, what's he referring to? And the Gemara says, Ir Ketana Zehaguf. This is every person's body. Every person is like a little city, right? We, we all, you know, know ourselves and we're a person. But he says, every person is called an irkitana. Vanoshim bamat, it has a number of people, a number of inhabitants. That's the various limbs, the various parts of our body. We're made up of a number of different aspects and limbs and emotions and feelings and expressions. Who is the big king that lays siege to our body that seems so powerful? The Yetzirah of a person is the one who comes first, as we says, when we're born, we're just born with that basic self-centeredness and this desire for, you know, to, to feel good and, and, and take care of our needs. And the Yetzirah comes and he sort of builds a siege around the body. And that's especially when a person is involved in various sinful activities. All of this sort of traps the soul and traps the body and we become very beholden to that which is not holy. But there's that one entity in the body, the simple person, no one recognizes their strength, that's the Yetzir Toiv. The Yetzir Toiv, the godly side of ourselves, with his Chachma, is able to save the entire city. That's the power of Tshuva that we have, that even when a person may have sinned, to be able to do Tshuva, to do maizim toivim, to do to do do, do goodies. The Gemara says, and no one recognized the power of this yitzhar toiv, especially when the yitzhara seemed to be so powerful and so strong and whatever. Nobody recognized that power of kedusha that we have within ourselves that has the ability always to turn it all around. That's the pasuk of Kehelas and the Gemara, and the Alter Rebbe uses this Gemara foundationally in the in the Perik. And he says, he uses the metaphor of the Gemara. He says that the body is called the Ir Kitana. He says each and, each, each and every one of us is like a little city, a small little world. He says, and there's two great kings that are battling over our city, over ourself. And each one wants that it should be the ruler in our body. And he starts off with the Nefesh Elikis with the godly soul. He says, the godly soul wants that its desires, what is the desire of the godly soul? To be connected to Hashem. That we should be fully infused with Kedusha. And the godly soul wants one thing, that my mind should always be filled with thoughts of Kedusha, thoughts of Terra Mitzvahs. My heart should be filled with feelings of Kedusha. And every part of me, my, my arms should be involved in doing mitzvahs, of giving tzedakah, my legs should be taking me to help another yid and to do a mitzvah, to go to a bis, haknesses, bis You know, the godly soul is looking that every part of the body should be led by it, by the godliness, by the godly soul. 
He says, it's interesting, if, if you look at the words of Tanya closely, he says, he looks that every part of the body should be sarim limashmata, which means to listen, to follow orders, to obey. that everything should be nullified to the godly soul, umerkavala, like a chariot to it. What's a chariot? A chariot is like, uh, today, today we don't have chariots, today we have cars, right? So what's the idea of a car? That the driver drives the car wherever the car wants. I'm sorry, wherever the driver wants. The driver, wherever the driver wants the car, the driver wants to go right, you turn the steering wheel, the car goes right. The car doesn't have its own will. The car is only there as a vehicle to bring the driver where it wants to go. And the, the nefesh of the kiss, the godly soul would love that my body, every single part of my body, every single part of who I am, would be a vehicle for Kedusha. Would be a vehicle for the Torah, the mitzvahs that the Nefesh Elikis wants to do, to connect ourselves to Hashem, and to fulfill the mission of this Nefesh, of the Nishama in the world. And he says, he starts with the head. You know, we have a head, a head can think a million thoughts a day. And it does think a million thoughts a day. We walk in the street, our mind is all over the place. What does the godly soul want? That my mind should be filled with Hashem, with words of Torah, with words of tefillah, with thoughts of mitzvahs, right? Because using our mind to do a mitzvah, how can I help another person? How can I do this mitzvah? How can I achieve a certain thing that Hashem wants me to achieve? So I'm using my head for Kedusha. The godly soul wants one thing, that my mind should be a vehicle for Kedusha totally. And the same thing the godly soul wants of my heart. That the mind should be able to create enough understanding and feeling that the feelings of my heart are also kedushadik. What do I want? I want a connection to Hashem. I want that desire to Hashem. But now the Altarebbe goes on. And he says, he's describing to us what the godly soul wants. He says, the godly soul wants not only that the right side of my heart, the midos of the godly soul should be filled with Abbas Hashem, but the Abbas Hashem should spill over to the left side of my heart. We discussed earlier that there's the light, right side and the left side of the heart. The right side of the heart is godly type of emotion. Emotions for Hashem, emotions that are not self-centered and not about ourselves. The left side of our heart, halal hasmali as he calls it, that's already the, um, that's the passions that the, of the nefesh is the animal soul. The godly soul wants that not only the right side of my heart should be filled with godly emotion, but that that emotion should be should overfill and spill over so that even my animal soul, what it wants, should be Kedusha. And that's a very profound idea that he talks about in this parak and comes to, back to later in Tanya. I want to talk about it for a moment. Our, could, our animal, could one's animal soul, animalistic desires, could they desire Hashem? Could one desire goodness and kindness and kedusha with the same intensity and the same part of me that normally desires only physical and materialistic desires? Says the Tanya, yes. How is that? But in order to understand that, we have to give a, one, one introduction that he says here in the chapter in short. When we talk about Avas Hashem, in general, loving Av Hashem, in general, there's two types of love of Hashem. There's one we talk about a love of longing. Longing and desire and wanting. Like we say, my soul is thirsty for Hashem. We want to connect. That's one type of Ava. It's called an Ava of Tzima'on, of thirst, or an Ava of Ish, of fire that's longing, like fire that draws upward and is longing to connect to something. But there's another even higher form of Ava, Hashem, and that's called Ava Bitanugim. Not a love of desire, 
but a love of pleasure. When we feel so connected to Hashem that we feel the pleasure, the simcha, the beauty of that connection. Not longing and wanting and yearning, but enjoying, enjoying the closeness to Hashem, enjoying the beauty of a mitzvah, enjoying the beauty of doing a favor for another person. That's the Abba B'Tanugim. That's called Abba of Mayim. There's Esh and there's Mayim. Fire is longing. Fire is passionate. Fire is wanting. Water is always connected with Tainug, with enjoying and with appreciating. So an even greater level of Ava Sashem than the wanting and longing and desiring is the Ava of enjoying and appreciating our closeness to Hashem. Says the Alter Rebbe that that Tainug when a person is able to feel a tainug, a, a pleasure in their relationship to Hashem, that's something that can spill over to the animal soul as well. Why is that? Because the animal soul, and something we discussed in the past, is not essentially bad. It's not essentially against Hashem. What does the animal soul really want? If we get down to the essence of the animal soul, what does it want? It wants pleasure. It wants enjoyment. The animal soul at its root is, a word in, in Hebrew is the kayach of taiva, of desire. Desire for a good time. Desire for pleasure. The animal soul has nothing against Hashem. It has something for pleasure, whatever makes me feel good. The godly soul would love that the appreciation for Hashem should be so great that the animal soul should recognize that that's the most pleasurable thing in the world. And that's a possibility. The, a person can bring themselves to a place where even their animalistic desire and want for pleasure can be fed by the pleasure of Elikus, of Kedusha. And that's the ultimate goal of the Nefesh Elikis. The godly soul doesn't just want that my body should do all the right things and that my head should learn all the right things. The, body, the godly soul, if it would have its way, would retrain me, would retrain the person to the place where the person's enjoyment becomes Kedusha. The person's enjoyment becomes a mitzvah. The person's enjoyment becomes terror. Now, in a level of perfection, that's probably a tzaddik. But in some degree, everyone can can connect to this. Everyone can bring themselves to a place where they grow to enjoy holy things, enjoy good things, enjoy mitzvahs, enjoy Torah, enjoy Kedusha. And that's really the godly soul's ultimate nitzachon, its ultimate victory. is not only that the animal soul should be, so to speak, shut down, or, or my, I shouldn't listen to it, I should only do what the godly soul wants, but it wants that its understanding and its appreciation and this relationship with Hashem should spill over, out of itself, into every aspect of the person, even into the animal soul. This is called, when the water, in, in the Kabbalistic terminology brought in this period of Tanya, when the, the Mayim Kedoshim, the holy water or the holy pleasure of the godly soul, is able to transform the Mayim, the, the uh, desirous, unholy water of the animal soul. It's the water against the water. Versus, we talked about way back in the first chapter that the water is the source of tainug, of pleasure. But there's the pleasure of godliness and the pleasure of not godliness. And the godly soul wants that its pleasure should, should again spill over and that should become the, speci- the pleasure of the nefesh of Bahamas of the animal soul as well. To the point 
that a person can come, as, and here he quotes some uh, a teaching of the Eitz Chaim, Eitz Chaim, which is the teaching of the Arizal, that was written by the Arizal's Talmud, Reb Chaim Vital, and he says, I'm, I'm reading the quote, Okmeshekasa Beitz Chaim Sharnun Perigimel, B'Shem Azoyar, the Eitz Chaim, the Arizal writes this in the name of the Zoyar of Shimon Bar Yuchai, Sheharan Nepach Liyos Toiv Gomor, Kimoy Yetzer Toiv Mamish. That the, the ra, the negative, the unholy, can be transformed to be total goodness to the level, the same level of good as the Yetzer Toiv. It's just that normally that's not the situation. Normally the animal soul is involved in animalistic desires. But ultimately it could be transformed and become one that it enjoys Kedusha just like the godly soul. In fact, Hasidah says that when one is able to bring their godly soul, what their animal soul, to a place of Kedusha, then it actually adds an element that the godly soul doesn't have on its own. Because the animal soul has a certain power, a certain strength that the godly soul doesn't have. It's like the, uh, it says, the, like the strength of an animal over a person. Even physically, a, an animal is much more powerful than a person. So when the person harnesses the animal, a person is able to accomplish much more than the person on their own. Right? It's with the power of an animal that people fl- plowed their fields for thousands of years. Because the animal is more powerful than the person if harnessed correctly. If not harnessed, it can be very negative. It can be very hurtful. It can be very harmful. But harnessed correctly, the animal brings to the person what the person doesn't have. And the same is with our godly and animal soul. Harnessed correctly when the god when the animal soul starts appreciating and starts enjoying kedusha, doing a mitzvah, helping another person, learning Torah, davening, then that davening and Torah study and mitzvahs will be much more passionate than when the godly soul did it on its own. And this then is the ratzah. This is what the godly soul wants. If you get if we, if we can give the uh, godly soul an interview, what what it wants is one thing. It wants that the body should be that he should, the godly soul wants to rule. That the body should be, everything in the, go- in the body should be godly, the mind and the heart and the feelings. And he says, the kaya what my hands should be busy with, my legs should be with. And every part of the 613 aspects and parts of the body should be filled and led by the godly soul and its desire of kedusha and connection to Hashem. That's the interview of the godly soul. Now, the Altar Rebbe actually gave the godly soul a lot of place in this chapter. He explained what it wants for the vast majority of this chapter. What does the animal soul want? The Alter Rebbe only gives the animal soul two lines. He says, and what does the animal soul want? He doesn't even give it two lines. Achnefesh habahamis shemeaklipa ritsoyma lehepech mamash. He wants the opposite. Whatever the godly soul wants, the animal soul says, I want the opposite. What does it mean the opposite? One thing. The godly soul, everything it wants is directed to Hashem. It's directed to fulfill the ruts on Hashem and connect to Hashem. The godly soul says, I have, everything is good, just one difference. Everything is for me. The animal soul is self-centered, and it says, I want one thing, to enjoy life and have a good time. And everything else doesn't matter to me. And it would like that the mind be filled with thoughts about how to take care of my own desires. And that's what the heart should be filled with, and that's what my arms should be involved with, my legs should be involved with. And this is what's going on in the person. And this is why sometimes we feel like we're going crazy. Because we're being dragged in two directions. There's a soul in me that all at once is Kedusha and Hashem and holiness and altruism and goodness and selflessness. And there's the other side of me that wants exactly the opposite. Myself and myself and myself and my desire and my feeling and my comfortability and my want. And these two souls don't see eye to eye in anything. And this is the Mulchama. This is the battle. 
that that the Pasuk described in Kehelos when it said, Irktana, that small city that there's the kings, the kings that are fighting over the city, that is our Irktana, our guf, our body that Hashem creates and gives each and every one of us with that conflict between the godly and the materialistic or the God-centered and self-centered, those two souls. But the Rebbe finishes with a very powerful line. And he says, okay, so the animal soul all it wants is that the body should be filled with itself and desires and passions and all it cares about itself. But why? Why does the animal soul want that so much? What is it all about? And he says a very powerful teaching of the Zayhar. That's a famous teaching. But I mentions it in Tanya a couple of times, but this is the first time he mentions it. He says, if you can actually talk to the animal soul and talk to the very essence of the animal soul, says, why are you doing this? Why do you drive the person crazy? Why do you want the person just to want a self, a self, a self? What is it all about? And the answer, the animal soul wants it because it wants that although it drives the person to self-centeredness and to passion and so on, it really wants the person to overcome it. The animal soul essentially wants to be overcome by the godly soul. Why? And why is it doing it? And what's that all about? And the Zayhar gives a very tough metaphor of a king and a prince. And the king wants to test and, and help the prince bring out the innermost powers and morals of the prince. How do you bring out the, the deepest morals or, or show or exhibit the power of the prince? This prince is going to be the king. This prince has to be tested in the highest form to be worthy of being the king of the nation. And the desire, this comes from the desire of Shem Barichai, he says the king goes out and he hires a zaina, a harlot. He says, I want you to test the prince, my son. And try, give it all you got. Test him and test him. So that he should prove his greatest power, his tremendous power to overcome even the most difficult tests. Similar to we have in the Chumash, the story of, of Yosef HaTzadik and Petifar and, and Petifar's wife. The tremendous, terrible test of the powers of Klippa, in order that the person should be misgabber, should find it within themselves, the tremendous strength and reveal that strength and be strengthened by overcoming those tests. And the Rebbe says, that's what's going on in the essence of every person's Nefesh Abhamis. A Nefesh Abhamis is a very tough character. And it's always pushing, and it's always do this and do that, and don't you know, just care for yourself and want this and want that, and passion and desire and negative things, and don't care about anybody else and then be selfish. But why is it doing that? It says, if you would be able to interview that, that Zoyna of the Zoyhar, that harlot, say, but what do you really want? I really want to be able to go back to the king and report that the prince won that the prince revealed that such super, superhuman strength to show how powerful and strong that prince is because ultimately, only through overcoming those tests will this prince be worthy of being the king. And that's the story of the Nefesh of Amas and every one of us. On the one hand, it's so negative and it's so difficult and it's so tough and it drives us crazy, but we have to know that essentially that's also an agent of Hashem. Nothing operates outside of Hashem's reach. It's not like Hashem created a godly soul and, oh, by the way, an animal soul came on its own. The animal soul is also an agent of Hashem. And its job is to give us a ride, a, a tough ride. 
But in order that we should reveal the koyach of our nefesh of Gis, our godly soul, to be able to overcome that, and that way be fully strengthened. And when we do that, the nefesh of Bahamas is happiest. Because its shlichus was fulfilled as well. Because it is also a shliach, an agent of Hashem. And that's how the Alter Rebbe finishes this chapter, chapter 9, where he told us again, he talked about where these two souls are, one rooted in the head and one in the, uh, one in the heart. We talked about the two sides of the heart. We talked about what each soul really wants, specifically what the godly soul wants, and its ultimate goal is to spill over even into the animal soul. The animal soul wants exactly the opposite of everything the godly soul wants, but that also working as an agent of Hashem in order to help and bring ultimately, it's ultimately even though sometimes people do fall, to those temptations and desires. But ultimately, Tshuva turns that around and ultimately every godly soul will be victorious over the animal soul and be strengthened through the test and through the, um, and through the, uh, through the temptation of the animal soul ultimately to reveal the strength of the, of the godly soul, the Nefeshulikis, in that ongoing battle that lasts really until, until Mashiach comes when there is no more animal soul at all. And with that, the Alter Rebbe finishes chapter, chapter 9, Pedic Test. Um, after he finishes this, the next chapters are devoted to the, okay, what happens when one is fully successful or one fully fails? We talk about the Russia, we talk about the Tzaddik, and finally we're going to get to the Benini, which is the ongoing struggle, which is really the point um, and where the, the, um, the majority of this Sefer is going to continue on the story of the Benini, the one that continuously has that struggle going through, uh, going through their life and, and the Aveda of the Benini. Rabbi Silverberg? Yes. So, is, at, at the end of this chapter, is, it, is the conclusion that the Nefesh Abahamas could serve Hashem on the same level as the Nefesh Alakis? It can. It can. Ultimately, that would be like the ultimate. Yeah, yeah. In other words, when the Nefesh Alakis is able to fully harness the Nefesh Abahamas, that it too becomes a partner in its Avoidah. So again, in its most complete form, this is by Yitzhadik. But in a smaller level, in a microcosm, everyone has the, the certain things that they're able to bring their Nefesh Bahamas on board. When I'm able to bring myself to a place where I actually enjoy doing a certain mitzvah, it makes me feel good, I have a better day. When I do that mitzvah, or when I learn Torah, or when I daven, or I help another Yid. So what happened was, my Nefesh Bahamas was trained, was, was brought upward, was connected, was infused by the Kayach of my Nefesh Olekis. So in the most perfect form, the Sadiq made everything of their Nefesh Abhamas that way. But on a step-by-step -step level, it's something that everyone can attain. So, I guess, if I can ask a question, you said um, that we could see, you know, the vision um, in a respect, you know, um, in, in terms of how we could connect with Hashem. So how, how do we... How do we see the vision? Like Hashem doesn't show himself to us. So, um, like, what what does that what does that really mean? Like, like how how do we understand that? You saying what I said earlier about yeah. the concept of not only understanding but actually gazing at it and seeing it. Right. He brought from the Zayar Listakola Biyikara Demalka to gaze at the glory of the King. Right. So, and I I am visual, so I could you know have visions and and, and see something and you know, understands from like, my personal perspective, but what, but what does that like, really mean? Right. So I, I don't know if there's one defined answer to that question, but clearly the concept of visualizing, even what we might call imagination, 
In Hebrew, there's an expression called the koach hatsiur, the power of visualization, the power of reliving something. You know, sometimes a person relives a spiritual moment. They were in a very holy place or in a very special time, a very powerful memory. And sometimes we might close our eyes and be there again. We might be there and sometimes we're so engrossed in that vision or memory or time that we forget where we are and we're there and we're reliving that. That's the soul power. It's not some people think that's just being childless, daydreaming. Dreaming, visualizing, seeing something in our mind, closing our eyes and seeing it and reliving it is a very powerful neshama koach that we have. You know, on Pesach we're told that we're supposed to sit by the Seder and feel like we're going out of Mitzrayim. Not just learn about it, not just understand it, but try to relive that, reenact it. That means that in some way we're transplanting ourselves to a different place in a different time and connecting to something. Again, a person saw, saw a tzaddik, a person was in a very holy place, and it's a year later or 10 years later or 30 years later, and a person is davening or, or whatever, and they're closing their eyes and they're there again. They hear the sound again. They feel the feelings again. That's a powerful soul power. And we have an ability to tap into that power. There's a, there's a number of sikhs that talk about the power of that, uh, the koya or the power of visualization, how that could really pick up a person and, a, and bring a person to a very ruchnistic place. It could also bring a person to a negative place. Yeah. Power of visualization works both ways, but it's a powerful koach. You know, it can bring a person to very negative places as well, and that's true as well. So when Yosef was Potiphar, said that he saw the vision of his father. Excellent. Then I learned that the vision of his father was really himself because he and himself looked the same. So it was, there was that like depth of, you know, okay, so within ourselves. Like I'm saying, we have within ourselves to be able to, you know, from that to see the, the like a vision. Well said, well said, well said. Okay. Okay, um, I'm going.